LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. G'day, I'm Derek Hanna. And I'm Scott Sanders. You sure? <laughs> that was a little bit... These new mics, they kind of, they kind of make... Uh, you know, make this sort of a there's a sense of bigness, you know, in the room because of these mics. Or it might just be the cans on my head. I'm not sure if you know, but in in post production, we actually change your voice <laughs> <laughs> to sound like Mickey Mouse, Scott. <laughs> anyway, welcome to the One Thing, a podcast designed to give you one solid practical tip for gospel centered ministry every week. And we're back again. We are. All right, this is good. Breaking uh, growth barriers. This is our third episode. Look, one thing's brought to you by um, uh, Geneva Push, the Australian Church Planting Network, and we're part of the Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network, so you should check out all of the other podcasts that are on the Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. But today, your being here means you have entered into episode 68 of The One Thing, the Growth Barrier Special, breaking 125. Now, the vast majority of churches never pass 125. The average church in Australia is, is about 70. Uh, and so most churches actually don't break through these growth barriers. That's why we want to uh, press into the various growth barriers, 35, 75, 125, and 200. And what we're going to be doing is thinking about the changes that you need to make as a leader, but also how, you know, how is your congregation responding to these uh, changes as well? Excellent. Well, we invited Rory Shiner on to have a talk to us. Now, Rory's at a church in WA, the Providence Church. He is. That's exactly right. So we're going to hear from him now. G'day, Rory. It's great to have you on The One Thing. Great to be here. Thank you. All the way from uh, Perth, Perth in WA. Yeah. Uh, can you tell us, Rory, a little bit about Providence? Uh, so Providence, we're a, um, we're a two-church uh, situation. We've got a church out, out at Midland and that was planted from the church in the city. Uh, it started in 2000 and, uh, 2009, and uh, I think it hasn't been through every phase of church, but it's been through a lot because it started in a missional community formation. So it was um, uh, house churches that would come together monthly. Uh, it, and then um, in 2014... Uh, a whole bunch of us came over from St. Matthew's, which was the original planting church of Providence, and they sent a whole other bunch of us across, um, which gave birth to the kind of modern Providence. So in terms of going through the one, the 125, Barry, you've done that at St. Matthew's Evening Church, and then you've also gone through that with sort of taking the, the, Provident, the original Providence crew through, you know, the sort of being a house church community to a church now of sort of 125. Yeah, the first time I... I experienced that 125 barrier was at um, back at St Matthew's, which was the kind of mother church of, of Providence, and I was leading the uni church congregation. We were meeting on campus at uh, at UWA, and uh, we, when I was there, I think we were kind of about when I came into that role, we were about 70 or so of us in the um, uh, in the lecture theatre. And uh, so I haven't quite got my dates right, but I think I started there in 2005. And, um, yeah, a couple of years after that, we, we came up against that 125 barrier. I didn't have the language for that. So I kind of went through it, went through it blind because I didn't, I just hadn't come across anything that gave me a category for churches being other than linear. So I just thought, uh, you know, 125 of us, that's just like nearly 50% better than 70 of us. Yep. 
So when, how did you know when you got that, even though you didn't have that category of 125, this is a barrier we're pushing through, I'll just read Ed Stetzer what to do. How, what did you see in the congregation at that point to, to know that you were pushing up against that? Yeah, so a few things for us were we, this is um, probably around and then to the other side of 125, I wonder if uni students have a slightly, the numbers inflate a bit because there's bigger social capacities. Uh, that's my, my, uh, my theory anyway. And we were mainly uni students. And I remember as we were growing and there was this kind of, um, point where we were growing quite quite rapidly and you could feel the excitement in the congregation that that was that's a really pleasing thing to go from 70 to 80 to 90 and so and then we, we hit that point and it, it was like all the levers that uh, were once connected to things that actually pulled things were suddenly snapped and the levers that we pulled weren't doing what they used to do yep. I remember having that very distinct experience I had a couple of I remember um Noticing one of the other things I noticed, one of the symptoms was that people who had been with us when we were seventy um, would would sometimes come up to me in that kind of when we were at that one hundred and twenty five uh, range and start to say, "Man, things have really changed around here and stuff." Whereas anyone who came after that, if I remember their name, they're like, "Oh man, you're such a good pastor." <laughs> <laughs> and so you had this you had this previous group of people that were experiencing loss because. Uh, the changes through the growth were leading us to become a different organism and you had people who had come on board, yeah, who had, I guess, um, very different expectations and if you met or exceeded them, they were really, really pleased. You mentioned before that one of the things you realised about yourself was, you know, a little bit of passive-aggressive pastoring, um, <laughs> which, you know, I relate to entirely, brother. Um, but, <laughs> I uh, about a Twitter account um, called the passive-aggressive pastor where you <laughs> Put all those thoughts, um, but because uh, but I think they are inside thoughts. I'm just worried. I think I'm sure someone will be able to trace it back to me eventually. So I haven't haven't launched it yet. I'm happy to contribute to that as well. But th- as you realised that was happening, what did you have to change in yourself to to push through this and so come out on the other side healthier, um, with a fuller vision of God's picture, both for you know reaching the lost, but also for caring for the saints. Uh, that's great, great question. So I think. Um, Few things were more uh, more spiritual. So I think in in myself um, being um, uh, whatever. I think we're the same Myers Briggs, aren't we, Derek? I think we are. E- NFP. E-F- E-F- anyway, the big the carry ones. Mm, that's the one. <laughs> the feeling. I think you're more carry than me, but um, I'm yeah. borderline caring. Yeah, extrovert feeling, all that kind of thing. So I think I had to kind of really, you know, genuinely apply the gospel to that and think, oh, okay, this we're now entering the church size and phase where um a um not everyone will be pleased all the time with everything i think i think at a church of 70 or so you can actually at least um create create an environment where um where everyone is pleased or gives the appearance of being pleased or whatever um and where i think the trade-off of a smaller church is that a whole lot of bodgy stuff can happen but the the kind of camaraderie gets you through um, so yeah, really having to uh, apply the gospel to that and think, oh, um, and I think apply the gospel to the thought that I am now entering a church where a lot of the pastoring I do won't be transacted one-to-one where I won't, I won't see the look on the face of the person to whom I explain the doctrine of justification by faith mm. or, or, or the guy who I talk through the internet porn thing. And he's really thankful because he comes out the other side of that. And I don't do none of that. Still don't do none of that now, even though we're we're another size again. But um, 
do a lot less of it and and you end up being uh, I think uh, yeah having to think that my investment in a few is actually the way I approximately love the many so what did you you mentioned some of the things um, the feedback you got people not being noticed missing for four weeks what are some of the things that you implemented in order to to better address those things that you're hearing those criticisms yeah, so I reckon the so the other side of one twenty five is, and you start to feel it. My experience is you start to feel it. The car starts to wobble a bit as you head towards that, um, and you can feel like you're in the wrong gear. And um, uh, I think after that, you've got to really move from uh, from intuition to to structures. Um, you know, lightly lightly held structures, like you don't want to suddenly have like an IKEA type thing where there's lines that you have to follow. Um, you know, uh, religiously to, to get to where you need to go. But you do need to build those, which you guys talk about. We, we listen to your podcast and learn learn a lot from it about pathways and signposts and so on. And um, uh, I think sometimes as we – often the thing that got us into ministry was not an ability to build good processes but a genuine love for Jesus and people. Mm. And so you do have to think, actually, this is how I love people now. Um, by making sure there are clear signposts, good um, paths, and so on. Um, so we've, you know, we've got now a quiet, you know, welcoming at our church. Before one twenty-five, used to just be. Eventually, you'd come around to my house for dinner. You'd end up in a group, and you'd, you know, away you go. Now we have, you know, a process of you come to a, you come to a dinner, you hear about some stuff, you. Uh, you have a coffee with a staff member. You get involved in a in a membership course and so on. And there's these these paths. Um, I think that's that's probably the big thing. Excellent. Well, that was Rory Shiner, WA Providence. Always makes me want to be a more reflective man. Does yeah, I, I really did enjoy how he how he talked about applying the gospel to himself mm. and then applying the gospel to his people as well. He's excellent. That's great. All right. Uh, the full in view uh, you can find in the show notes to Rory. So uh, don't feel like you're going to miss out on anything there. All right, Scott, we're going to dig into two big areas, which have, you know, a number of sub areas. But the two big, well, the first big one I want to dig into is what Rory spoke about grief. How is it that at that 125 barrier, um, we're acknowledging people's grief, we're working through it with them? Talk to us. Well, I think the first thing I want to say is. I think acknowledge that people are going to leave and they're not going to be on board with the vision and, and that's probably okay. It's probably okay that they're going. That's probably because I don't have a high F that I'm saying that <laughs> at, in responding that way. Uh, but I think it is it is important to acknowledge that there will be people who go, well, hang on, that's not what I signed up for. That's not what we're a part of. And, and they, 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 haven't heard, they haven't heard you talk about that from the start. Again, going back to Aaron's you know episode, he was preparing people you know back in the lounge room you know for for this change. Uh, so you might be in a revitalization situation here. Uh, you might be coming into a church and saying you know we you know we want to we want to grow. Hmm. Uh, and so even though you have prepared people, I think you need to acknowledge that some people just you know for whatever reason don't want to get on board with that with that vision. People are complex, aren't they? So but some people may want to grow. And so when you say we want to grow, they say, yes, yes, of course we want to see people loft. But when it comes to the point of counting the cost of that, people you know, do react differently for a whole number of reasons, not always ungodly. Now, how do we acknowledge well then? Well, I, I think we've got to not be defensive. And I think, you know, just acknowledging people's grief and, and hearing them out and saying, yeah, that is sad that you we're not going to be able to experience this or we're not going to be able to do this or this, you know, this changed. Hearing them out, letting them voice that, uh, and then again, casting vision back into that so that they can actually, uh, um, 
you know, you see see where you are going, and you know, so it's an opportunity to to get them back on on the boat and in the lifeboat, and 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 seeking to rescue more. One of the things that you know Roy touched on very briefly is, is Dunbar's number. You can do you know a whole bunch of uh, of reading on Dunbar's number. Basically, he said that most people can have 150 meaningful relationships. Um, now the reality is, you know, there's there's groups of 12, there's groups of uh, you know 30 to 50, but in terms of you know, size and a number, about 150 meaningful relationships. And so it's important in the, in the growth barrier of 125 to acknowledge that, that this is, is something that's normal, it's ordinary, we're humans, uh, we don't have a capacity to have more than these relationships. So you need to start thinking, in order for us to get bigger, we actually have to start getting smaller. And so you've got to look for other structures that are going to create this uh, communal life that, that are going to give, you know, friendship, relationship and community. And I think you as a pastor... You know, as you're helping people see this and understand this and and grieve this, you even as a pastor have to be aware of of this change. That that means your you know your relational ministry, your span of care is going to look very different. You you went from actually being on the tools and you know in the trenches with people, you're now actually going to be working through leaders, and so your success is actually going to be the success of others. Uh, and not your personal success. So we're going to come to that in just one second, because that's the second big thing I think we need need to dig into, the big changes and how we manage them. Uh, one of the things that Rory did say around grief that I, I thought was particularly helpful is um, just touching on that one person's experience won't be every person's experience. Mm. And so uh, the person who's been in your church th- since it was 25, uh, it'll grow to uh, 80, 90, 100, and they'll express it like things aren't the same around here. But Rory said, you know, people would come when it was 100 who were new and say stuff like, you're such a good pastor. And so it, often it can be tied to the number, but it's also tied to people's experience in that as well. All right, let's dig into the second big change. There's three parts I want to talk to you about here. Um, the big changes that actually happen within the congregation and within yourself to push through this barrier. Change management is a big one at this stage. Not that you haven't done any change management before, but it needs to be more formalized and thought through and deliberate. What do you think? Yeah. So there's, again, there's, there's lots of uh, reading out there. And I think, I think Cotter's stuff is, is the stuff that you, you want to go to. Uh, a secular author looking at change management in the context of organizations. Uh, he's got helpfully eight, you know, eight sort of things that you've got to, got to be aware of. And he, he recently he's re- rewritten his uh, thinking and brought a whole bunch more research to a, a sort of modernise it or bring it into sort of the millennial generation and 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 what it looks like you know in today's organisations. Um, so I, I think he helpfully, um, you know, his framework helpfully helps you situate you know where and what you ought to be doing. Uh, you know, so so as you're helping people move past this barrier, you, you know, you're building that leadership coalition. Uh, you're you're demonstrating to people what the change might look like and, and casting that bigger vision. But as as you're starting to see some of that fruit, you know, yeah, isn't it great that we're you know that we're full, and so now we're going to have to move into a bigger building, or uh, we're actually going to have to raise more money and 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 build a better building, uh, or we're going to need to you know split out and and start two services potentially to you know to, to deal with the growth as as you're dealing with that change. Uh, you know, he talks about creating some wins and getting some wins in the short term, mm-hmm. and then you know, towards the end, actually putting in habits, uh, behaviours, um, you know, a culture that actually means the change is going to you know continue and uh, and 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 keep going. Because the big thing about this often is that you go through all this pain of change, and then it becomes too painful, and then you just go back to where you were. And so, I think a lot of a lot of churches you know, in the change management process, they find this pain of just managing people's, you know, sense of loss and sense of grief uh, and also the, just the hard work of, you know, moving people and, 
you know, the complexity of managing a church that's larger and the changes that I've got to make. Well, I just want to quickly go back. So embedding cultures and habits and behaviors in uh, is really helpful. So I'd encourage you to uh, check out Cotter's book on, on change management and, and, and really think through each of those steps for you. So one of the things you've touched on there and you mentioned before as well that you need to change, that you need to work out how to get to a place to facilitate this change and, you know, in your heart, if we're you know, speaking in that kind of language, actually be okay to make it. Talk us through that. Well, I think, uh, you know, no, no one ever got into ministry to uh, just manage people hmm. uh, and to have lots of meetings. Uh, we we wanted to see transform lives. You know, we wanted we wanted to sit down with people and have that conversation where they turn to Jesus and, and accept Jesus into their life for the, for, the, for the first time. So I think one of the big changes is actually you've got to work through other people. So, uh, you know, when you're, when you're in the sort of the 10 size, you lead by example. When you're in the, the 50s, you're, you're delegating and, and you're handing stuff to other people. When you move to the hundreds, you've actually got to start empowering people and you've got to lead through leaders. So your leadership is actually being exercise through the leadership of others and your ministry is actually being done through the ministry of others. So the big thing is actually, you know, leading, leading through others. Hmm. And so he, he spoke about as well, when we talk about leadership pipeline stuff, building leaders, we're talking about, uh, you got to have a change in values and skills, um, and time with it as well. And one of the things he touched on was discipline. Uh, you got, you spoke to him about that at the end. Um, the other thing that he spoke about, which was really interesting was Sunday. That he's seeing a big path on Sunday. Yeah. So on Sunday, he uh, he helpfully talked about that. You know, he'd, he'd rock up on a Sunday and he'd have a he'd have a, a, his diary out. He'd have his calendar out in the early days. Yeah, in the early days, yeah. and he was able to you know map out his week. You know, and he, and he just used the sort of rinse and repeat. The next week, I get my names. That's my that's my pastoral load. That's my that's my working week. But then as as it got larger. Uh, he couldn't necessarily pull his calendar out. He still wanted to have those eight conversations, but they were prayer and they were, well, you know, that not it great we've got this and celebrating what was happening in the life of the church, pointing people to some of the structures uh, and the systems that you need to have. So like at this phase, it's really important to start, you know, reflecting on your, you know, on, on your growth engines and reflecting on your, your, I guess your, you know, thinking from a systems perspective, uh, reflect on some of your key systems in church, like your welcoming structures and your small group structures and your children's ministry structures. That's what you're going to be pointing people towards, where in the past it would have been, come and see me and I'll and I'll be pastoring. You're actually pointing people into, you know, the next steps that you've set up uh, in your church. Excellent. And so he used that phrase from intuition to structures, lightly held. Yeah. So you're saying some of those things are, will be key for pushing through them. Yeah. And, and in terms of discipline, uh, it, the, it's going to be the discipline of saying no to those conversations and being okay that... Uh, you're not necessarily everybody. Everybody's pastor, but you're actually pastoring through other people, mm. and that and that's okay. Mm. Uh, that's a change that you're going to have to make in your values and your time. It, it's not to say that you're not going to be still having those conversations and you know celebrating someone coming to Christ. It's just that that's not the major part of your week. You're actually working through others, and actually the stories you're saying is, is the stories that you're talking about and celebrating are actually the stories of other people. You're just you know talking about you know talking about them and celebrating what God is doing through them. Mm. And it's big. Can I say, this is really hard, because as you're talking about it, and Rory's talking about it before, I remember standing at Village Church outside one night in the latter years when we'd, we'd grown and my role had changed, talking to someone who had never been to church before, had never spoken to someone about Jesus. And there's something about that that fires you up, to think, this is why I got here in the first place, and I don't get to do it very much anymore. Yep. That's and it, really But hard. then how good is it that, hey, well, I, I, after church, I saw Derek having that conversation, and you know, I can remember Derek when he was, you know, he was just new to church. 
as a trainee. And look at him now. You know, he's all he's grown doing up. It, he's doing it himself. I'm a big boy. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I do I, I do want to bang on about about uh, structures. You know, basically the the reason why most churches stay small is my, is because pastors don't know how to build systems and structures and processes that are not contingent upon them. Um, you know, so most pastors can care for people, but they actually don't build systems of care. Most pastors can develop leaders individually, but they lack the skill to implement a process of leadership development. Um, so, so it's really important at this stage. You, you do have to move from intuition to structures. Uh, and so think through, reflect on your key growth engines. Uh, keep coming back to how can, we, you know, how can we build a process that doesn't involve me? Because you as the pastor are going to become the blockage. And you, you can't be. You've actually got to work through. So one of the things that Ed Stetzer, uh, you know, whenever I've heard him talk about this, he pulls out this great PowerPoint. You know, he talks about what it looks like at 35, what it looks like at 75, what it looks like at 125. Not in terms of, you know, the picture, but just in terms of the leaders and the volunteers that you need. So at the size of 35, you need one leader, that's you, and three volunteers. At 75, you need three leaders and 15 volunteers. At 125, this is where you need to make the shift to having leaders of leaders. And so you need three of them. And then you need 15 leaders and then you need 50 volunteers just to pull off, you know, church life. So being aware of that means that as you're coming up to this growth barrier, you need to work on, um, you know, who are, who are going, to those, going to be those leaders of leaders that are going to do the ministry uh, in the church. Absolutely. So still the question of how I love these people, how I share Jesus with them. You're just loving them in a different way. You're loving through others. And so I think I, I think uh, one of those one of those other self assessment questions in the context of this is actually asking the question of yourself: What are the things that only I can uniquely do? So one of the things that that Rory spoke about really briefly was that the preaching needed to improve. Mm. You know, uh, because the the locus of community wasn't around him; it was actually him as you know the pastor up front. He actually needed to improve the quality of his preaching, mm. and so he needed to spend more time thinking uh, uh, you know a, about that. Mm. Absolutely. All right. Scott, three top resources that you want to share with people? Uh, well, we're, we're talking about structures. Uh, I think Simple Church is a great book just to think through and reflect on your own uh, ministry structures. Uh, I want to point you to a resource from the, the recent Reach Australia conference, uh, the Ecosystem Talk uh, from Andrew Heard. We'll put the link in the show notes. Uh, that's, uh, that's a really uh, helpful one. Uh, the other thing is most of these situations aren't necessarily church plants and often this size barrier will come through mergers. So there's a great book by uh, Jim Tomalane called uh, Better Together. Better Together. Toby talked, uh, 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 Roy talked really briefly there uh, about about mergers. If you think about a merger, the book Better Together is excellent. And I, I also want to you know put in my second Growth Barriers uh, book. Uh, so Gary McIntosh's stuff on Growth Barriers is uh excellent uh, on this. And he's got two books that sort of speak to this topic. Uh, the first one is uh, One Size Doesn't Fit All by Gary McIntosh. The second one is Biblical uh, Church Growth. So they're both two excellent books that you can jump in and uh, have a read about as well. Excellent. Okay. To finish off this episode, we're going to throw back to Rory for the one thing people should take away when it comes to breaking through the 125 barrier. Uh, the one thing I'd say is uh, is let people grieve and let them uh, let them rejoice. So let people grieve what's lost. Don't don't hide the fact that things are lost in that process, and encourage them not by sweeping the grief under the carpet, but by anticipating the good things that God has in store for us as we go to that next phase. One thing is part of the Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network, and this is a good chance to point you to one of our other podcast partners. New Churches Q&A with Daniel and Ed. We had Daniel out with us recently in Australia. 
Uh, and uh, it's Tessa we've had it before. We'd love to have it out again. And Todd, excellent. You should listen to that. It's excellent. Uh, they've recently covered things like the temptations of a permanent location, how to start a leadership pipeline in your church. That's a key one. Listen to that one. And what happens when a mega church moves into your neighborhood. Wow. That's not going to happen anytime soon in Australia. It's, it probably won't, but, you know, what are you going to do? <laughs> what are you going to do? Anyway, they're worth listening to. Uh, look up New Churches, uh, two words, on your favorite podcasting app. Thanks for joining us on another episode of The One Thing. Coming up in our next episode of the Growth Barriers Special, we're going to tackle what? Breaking Through 200. And we've got Matt Lehman from Colonel Light Gardens in South Australia. He's going to be talking about his experience of Breaking Through 200. Excellent. I'm Derek Hanna. And I'm Scott Sanders. Chat soon. Thank you.